Welcome, my friends, to the Intuition Awakening podcast. My name is Janine Bozer. For those that don't know me, I am a Reiki master and intuitive healer located in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. So welcome to my podcast from Canada. I wanted to share a little bit today about where the name Intuition Awakening comes from. How did it start? How did my business start? And what I really believe Intuition Awakening means. So to begin, a few years ago, I felt this really spiritual calling and divine push to start a start an Instagram page. I really had no idea what I was going to post. I liked crystals. I hadn't found Reiki yet, um, but I was diving into angel card readings. I was getting better at it. I just had this calling to do something outside of my human resources career. That's what I went to university for and got my degree in. I wanted to, I wanted to make a difference. And I thought maybe a, maybe a social media page would be, would be the way to, to start influencing or sharing my views or sharing my thoughts and opinions about stuff. And in Instagram was the first thing that came to mind. Now, keep in mind for those that don't know me, I am a late adopter to technology. It takes me forever to actually want to be online and want to embrace things. I've gotten better now that I've started my business officially over the last, you know, 14 months or so. And when I'm recording this in April of 2022, I, I used to take forever though. I think I downloaded Facebook probably 10 years after it had actually started. Um, I didn't have social media in high school. I didn't really have it in college. I didn't see the point. I didn't want to be on my phone that much. And at the time phones were nowhere near what they are today. So when I was going to download Instagram, I thought, I have no idea what this platform is. I know that it's pictures. I guess I could try. I I like taking pictures. I guess I could try to go outside and take some cool photos just with my phone. I don't know. (laughs) I'll post some photos of my original posts from Instagram uh, up on my Instagram stories and in my feed. So you can have a look at what some of my some of my content looked like originally because things have come a very long way. So I started with crystals. I started with talking about their properties, which ones were some of my favorites. I would just go outside and place the crystals in some water or in a tree that I had in my front yard and try to you know, edit. And I used Snapseed to you know, create some funky filters and some editing and the colors to stand out some more. And I loved it. I started to get you know a couple of followers. I thought, who the hell is following my page? <laughs> Whenever you start being on social media and you know, speaking about stuff, I thought, who am I connecting with? I mean, this is nice. I just, I didn't anticipate that when I started. And now again, as I'm recording this, I've been trying to track some of my metrics and some of my audience. And across all my different platforms as of today, I think I have about 14,000 in my audience. My email list, YouTube, TikTok, Insight Timer, Facebook, Instagram. I've grown on so many social media platforms but it started with Instagram. My business started on Instagram. And I call it intuition awakening. I sat for a while, it was about right after Christmas in 2018. I thought, what am I going to name this thing? Because I wanted it to be separate than my personal page. I didn't want people to, if they knew me, I wanted to have somewhere separate that I could post just about my life and my stuff so that other people could find it. Not not my close family and friends, but but the world in general. People that maybe were a little more socially, or sorry, spiritually inclined than some of my friends or family that I knew at the time. I was kind of the black sheep. I was kind of the one doing my own thing. And crystals were just, well, you know, she likes rocks. 
That was what a lot of my family said. So I wanted it separate than my personal page. So Intuition Awakening came to mind. And I thought, well, this is a really great thing. It's a really great way to word what I'm feeling and going through in the moment. I'll change it later. <laughs> a couple of years later, I still have not changed it. And I don't plan to. Intuition Awakening at the time, to me, it represented that I was growing, that I was awakening to everything that I had been shutting out within myself for years, that spiritual side, that that oracle reader, the medium within me, the past lives within me that had been a healer. I was shutting myself out. So intuition was my third eye. Awakening was the awakening of my third eye, was the awakening of my spirituality again, really coming to terms with this is who I am. This is what I do. This is who Janine is. That's where Intuition Awakening came from. And over the years, I feel like it's expanded, like it's grown and developed just like I have, that the name has kept up really well. I see a lot of people changing their business names. And I thought, you know what? I like mine. I like that I am now helping others awaken to their intuition, that I am helping them awaken to their potential for healing and for love and and opening their third eye too to all of this inner wisdom and in exactly that intuition trusting their gut learning about their body learning about their mind their health all of these different areas helping them become healers helping them embrace their spiritual gifts too so just like i did i started an instagram page other people can do that too other people can start social media posts. Other people can share their thoughts and opinions. And I always say, when it comes to my journey in my business, I always thought if I could help even one person spend a little less time and a little less suffering coming to the conclusions that I did about my health, it took me nearly 15 years before I really realized that I had PTSD from my childhood surgeries. It took me five or six years after those surgeries to really even be diagnosed with depression. And then a couple years later, anxiety. If I could save someone even a year, even a month more in their journey of self-discovery or being diagnosed or speaking to their doctor about their traumas or their health, if I could help someone move down that path a little bit sooner than I did, I know how much I've been able to change and grow in the life that I live now compared to the suffering I was going through. If I could help even one person not suffer for quite as long as I did, that's worth starting a social media page to me. That's worth going through this business stuff. That's worth losing my corporate job last in 2020 in the pandemic. And that's where I want to talk about next. What started Intuition Awakening was that divine guidance, but it was also a, a deep awareness that I hated human resources, that I hated my job, that I had gone to school for five years and graduated and been through hell and been through anxiety and harassment and, you know, issues with professors and associate deans at my school and just being, uh, it, it was a lot of suffering in college. I had gone through all of that to come out thinking I was going to be helping people. I was so excited to start. And what actually happened, what actually happened was 
I hated my job. I was in these positions where I was firing people, where I was laying people off for no real reason, other than that the company had a feast or famine mindset, and they said, this is just how things work, Janine. We go through these years of massive recruitment efforts, and then we go through a lot of downturn. You know, we, we, we lay people off when things get slow. It's just the way the business works. And I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. The men in the room did not like that very much. But I didn't either. I didn't want to lay off 50 people. And I said, when is this going to end? There was no end in sight, and the company didn't care. So I started to question, is my job next? And that happens during layoffs or when the human resources manager doesn't have an answer. That's, that's pretty telling. People start to get pretty afraid when you can't provide them with an answer. They start looking for work. The turnover increased. There was a lot of stress in my jobs. Teaching about sexual harassment um, because of harassment incidents that had come to my attention and I as the human resources managers in these positions had to then conduct training and follow through the investigations and do my due diligence to make sure it never happened again. As I was teaching sexual harassment orientations and seminars to a group of, you know, 30 or 40 men in a room, I worked at mainly, mainly manufacturing companies, that's why I say men. I had a gentleman take his phone out of his pocket from the back of the room and take a picture of me teaching. I had dressed up fairly nice that day. I was trying to look presentable. I was trying to look approachable, but, you know, professional, of course, as women, we go through this whole thing of how do I dress to be taken seriously. I was in my early 20s at that time, so I felt the pressure even more so. And a manager caught this employee doing this, pulled him aside after the class, and he said, I need, I need that photo. You need to delete that. Why the hell were you taking a photo of Janine? And he said, well, she was so beautiful, I just wanted to admire and appreciate her beauty. I couldn't see her close enough, so I just thought I'd take a quick picture. He was super honest about it, but it was the creepiest thing ever. So he ended up getting written up. I literally had to file a report about harassment five minutes after I had just finished teaching a, a seminar on harassment. These were the things I was experiencing at work. A lot of it was because of my PTSD and my mental illnesses. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how to, I, di I didn't know how, when things were becoming unsafe. I was quite open. I was quite a people pleaser. Um, another incident happened at work. This one actually made me quit my job at the time. I was not going back. This, this was at the same place where I had experienced this harassment after teaching um, a sexual harassment seminar. I had an employee, it was his last day, he came to my office, and he had seen me every now and then, he'd come to my office privately just to chat or say hello and wish me a good day, and he seemed friendly. He came to my office, it was his very last day of work, and he said, oh, I'm really just going to miss everything, I'm going to miss you. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, thinking that I'd been a nice person or a good influence in his life, I kind of took it as a compliment, just like, oh, that's nice, like, you know, <laughs> not very often someone's going to miss the HR manager, right? And he asked if he could take a picture, if we could take a picture together. And I said, sure. It was the end of the day. I was ready to go home. I thought, okay, this is getting, a, that's a little weird, but sure. If you want, if memories, maybe he's doing this with all the coworkers. So he put his arm around my shoulder. We took a quick selfie and he said, can I give you a hug? I said, well, okay, sure. Whatever. Again, the people of pleaser in me just said, I just about the end of the day, let's get this over with. Sure. You know, it's the last time I'm going to see him. He just seems pretty emotional. Maybe he's just having a bad day. I wanted to give some comfort. So I gave him a hug. And as he was hugging me, he said, can I kiss you? And I immediately said, sure. Wait, what? 
I, it was an automatic response thinking, I don't know what he's asking. Sure. I'll just, you know, what, what's next? And, but then he leaned in to kiss me and I shoved his chest and I shoved him away from me. And I said, that's enough. And I was shaking. I said, get out. This is not okay. That is not okay. Get out of my office. And he said, oh, okay, 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 okay. And he walked away and he left. And that was his last day, last few minutes at work. So even before I could get my senses together to understand that I had just about been sexually assaulted in my office as this man pulled me in to kiss my face with the door closed in a corner office that had no visibility and no other staff around at that time of the day. I didn't even have time to understand what had happened before he had left the yard. And he was gone. There was no repercussions for him. So I sat down, shaking, nearly wanting to throw up in my office at just how weird and absurd that was. For anyone who's ever experienced that, you know how weird it is. For those that haven't, or if you're a gentleman listening to this and you're like, I don't know what the big deal is, he didn't end up actually doing anything. It's very threatening for someone to be in your personal space, to have their hands on you. And you don't know if you can in that moment get them off of you if they decided to do anything more than that. Thankfully, he immediately backed up, but by one step. I took three steps back and pointed at the door, trying to get him out. And he didn't seem too bothered. It was very scary to know that he could have just kept that door closed and I would have been alone in a windowless office by myself in the back corner of that building with someone that could have hurt me. I immediately emailed my supervisor and this gentleman's manager, that his old manager, and told them about what happened. And I said, I'm not coming into work tomorrow. I do not feel safe here as a woman that is now twice or three times this has happened in my office where I've been alone with someone who has threatened me. I'm not doing this. And I left. And the next day, thankfully, I actually had another job offer lined up. And I said, I'm not coming back. You can take this as my formal resignation. I'm not going back. And I didn't. <laughs> that was how I left some of my jobs was incidents like that. So when I say that I hated human resources, there was a lot of trauma that had happened at workplaces. That was just a couple of examples. There was many more than that. I wanted to help people. That's why I got into human resources. On a bit of a lighter note, when I was about 16, my mom was having a lot of issues in healthcare and workplaces and kind of experiencing some, you know, inadequate working conditions and being hurt on the job. And, you know, her muscles were sore and repetitive strain injuries that often happen in, you know, places like laundry or dietary, um, you know, was experiencing some troubles. And she wanted to to talk to someone about it. So she came home and I said, you know, what's going on? You know, I can't, who, who would you talk to? If you could talk to anyone, who would that person be? And she said, the human resources manager. And I thought from about 16 and onwards that, Hey, maybe I could be that person, that person that my mom would talk to that I would actually care if something was happening and I could try to help. So there's often these jokes about human resources, you know, that they work for the employer. They don't work for you. But it was my mentality when I went into these places that these employees were all my employees, that they were my responsibility, that I was there to help them, not the company, but to help employees. And there are a few of us out there that <laughs> in HR that, that have that mentality. 
that we are there to enhance the employee experience because from a human resources perspective, human beings are the capital of the company. They are the investment of the company. They are the cog of the company. We need to take care of our human resources. If your human resources are not healthy, are not well, are not trained, are not feeling safe at work, are not feeling valued, your ability to produce for your customers, whether that's a, a client, whether that's a, a, an end product, it doesn't matter what you're making. If your human resources are not taken care of, you don't have a company. And that's what always frustrated me. From my perspective, that's how I view human resources. I am there to take care of the humans. And a lot of companies saw the resources or the capital portion of that. The, you are, you know, a cog in the machine for us. So do your job, human. <laughs> no, we've got this backwards. So I was trying to formulate an exit strategy or what the hell I wanted to do next. I was in my mid-20s and I was burnt out from my career. I thought, well, boomers are going to have fun with this. Another lazy millennial who can't find a job, but I hate what I do and I've experienced so much crap at workplaces. I do not want to be my mother or the people that she worked with. By the time they get to 55 or 60 to retirement age, they are so miserable. They were tired. They were burnt out. They had been just pushing themselves for years to earn a paycheck and get the retirement savings. I did not want to be that person. And my mom didn't either. She was also a very, I mean, she still is very, very strong. And, um, you know, trying, she's always trying to find what, what's going to be better. What could I do instead? I, I'm really, really proud of how I got to learn from her and her example of trying to always, you know, look for something better. You know, what could make life easier? What could, what could I do that's different? So I was looking for my exit only a few years into my HR career. I thought, what am I going to do? I have a student loan that's well over $70,000 for completing my entire university degree. Business is not going to go to waste. My dad always said business is not going to go to waste. And oh, what was I going to do? So when this inspiration came forward about crystals, when I started to learn about Reiki and angel card readings, I started to meet these practitioners and these healers that were doing this as a business or a side job or an at-home business. Most weren't really making enough money that it was seemed appealing to me. But the more that I got to learn about Reiki, the more I knew this is what I wanted to do. And if I could do it full time, so much the better. So I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Now trying to tell my mom that, or my family or friends that uh, they, they thought I was pretty nuts. They thought, you know, you have this career, you got to start staying at these jobs, like you got to build up your experience in your career. I said, I don't want to be there anymore. So throughout the pandemic, I had started to really promote myself, to start talking about offering sessions. Um, when I received my Reiki level one and two, I started doing sessions out of my house. I bought a massage table. I kind of started to get myself set up with business cards. And then March of 2020 hit and the pandemic started. I really had to shift my focus to doing everything online. And thankfully, I had just actually received my Reiki level two certification a couple months before the pandemic officially started. So I was able to do distance healings, um, which only comes after level two. So that's what I did. I started offering sessions online. I started uh, teaching on Insight Timer. I started building a website and promoting more on social media. And I started to find some clients. 
And there's a few that really supported me. And during the pandemic then, at my corporate job, I was struggling. I was a hot mess during the start of the pandemic. My brain was like, I cannot handle listening to this news 24 hours a day. I cannot handle listening to my coworkers freaking out about what their loved ones may or may not have caught. Did they already have COVID? Did we need masks at work? It was a constant conversation. And one of my coworkers even had the the 24-hour talk radio on, you know, all the breaking updates about who had caught it or where it was or what the numbers were, what we knew about this pandemic. And she blared it at work. And I said, can we turn this down, please? I'm trying to actually get some of this work done. I was working in payroll at the time. You know, we had deadlines. And instead of turning it down, she turned it up. So even more people in our cubicle area could hear it. And I said, I can't work like this. So I ended up taking a short-term disability leave because I was suffering with my mental illness. I had just found out I had actually had PTSD all along. It wasn't just depression and anxiety. There was so much happening right before the pandemic career burnout, wanting to quit my job, wanting to start Reiki, and then the pandemic hit, and I just found out I had PTSD, and my health was getting better, but then finding out I had PTSD was bringing up all this anger and grief about how late I received my diagnosis, and life was hard. So I took, it ended up being 12 weeks of short-term leave. It was not fun. Um, For anyone who's ever had to take a short-term disability leave or a short-term sick leave, um, you know that, unless you maybe live in a different country where this isn't quite as applicable, but here in Canada, we have to fill out paperwork constantly to prove that we need more time on these leaves. So while I was waiting for my paycheck to come, we get paid on short-term disability leave. It took four weeks for my pay to be processed and actually get to my account. So I had four weeks without any money. It was stressful going to the doctor every couple of weeks to prove that I still needed to be here. I was getting constant phone calls. Like I I wasn't resting. I wasn't getting better. I was very stressed and my income had been slashed. It really wasn't, really wasn't a great situation. I really don't believe in short-term disability leaves after I've been through one myself. I'd much prefer employees just get a bank number of sick days throughout the year and just take the days off. I don't want to know about employees' illnesses. I don't want them to have to try to prove it to an insurance company. I want to build that trusting relationship one day with employees in my own company where they get a bank of days and they get paid for it. Whether that's just because they need some time off because they're burnt out and they've had a stressful week or whether they actually have severe mental illness that they're trying to get back under control. I don't care. If a human needs time off, I trust the fact that the human needs some time off and it's going to be better for them to come back to work when they're ready versus trying to force them to be productive because that just never works. It never does. It creates a lot of resentment. I could go on for hours about my human resources views, but I ended up coming back from my leave. I was ready. I was ready to be back in the office. I had done enough work to get myself kind of settled again. And one of the very first days I was back, a coworker had said, oh, I wish I had had 12 weeks of vacation time too. And she walked away from me. And I thought, these people have literally no idea what a short-term disability leave is like or what mental illness is like. They would understand it if I broke a leg and needed that time off because I had a surgery. They would show care and concern and compassion. But that's the kind of stigma we live with if we have mental illness or if we need time off is... I wish I could have had vacation time too. It's like, this, that, that was not vacation time. I don't know what universe anyone else was living in, but I was pretty miserable. 
So it was hard to come back to work, but I did it. At the same time, I was looking for a new house. Uh, my lease had come up in my rental apartment or my rental home, and um, it was time to actually buy a house. And thankfully, I had my mom's help to to get that process started, financially wise as well. I'm a millennial; I can't afford a house, but thankfully, I have a parent that was able to help me. And so I purchased a home, and a couple of months later, I got laid off. And I knew that going in, I knew that I had actually done this once to an employee where I had to lay them off shortly after they had purchased a home too. And the employee at the time had said, you know what, this is just the way life is. If we all waited for our, for job security, we'd never do anything with life. I said, yeah, I'm glad you're approaching it that way. Um, I wish you the best of luck with, you know, finding your next job. We, we developed a bit of a friendship. It was hard laying that employee off. And so when I got the layoff notice, I said, you know what? I was at the bottom of the totem pole. I really hated my job anyway. I was ready to leave. My coworkers really did not understand my mental health concerns or what I was going through. So I did get a lot of stigma at work about, you know, I need to do things faster. You need to do things better because people didn't know um, what I was going through. The one manager that I did have that I had talked to about my mental health, she retired before the pandemic hit. So I was pretty alone. So I was, I was okay getting that layoff notice. I was stressed about money. It took me a few days to really calm down and to figure out how I was going to tell my family. But I also had access to an outplacement coach through that uh, through my old employer. They provided an outplacement coach, which is like someone to help you find your next job. And Stephen was his name. And I'm super, super grateful for Stephen. He helped me just get in tune again with what I wanted because I was telling him how much I hated my job. The entire termination process was absolutely abhorrent as well. They had really drug out the process and he had to be present during that termination meeting to get introduced to me. And so we shared a lot of similar beliefs about human resources and how termination meetings should be five minutes, get someone out the door, let them have some time to process, provide them with some follow-up details or, you know, call me later if you need me. But my termination was 45 minutes long. And I was kind of soothing my employer <laughs> the entire time. It was not a great way to do it. So Stephen really helped me understand what I desired and what I wanted again. Um, at the time, I said, I need to find a job. I need to go back to work. I was really scared to make that leap and commitment into a business full time because I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think entrepreneurship was going to be my path forward. I just bought a house. I did not want to foreclose on my house two months after I had bought it. And I was doing construction. I had also spent 30 grand and put it as part of my mortgage. We can do that here in Canada in certain areas. Um, it's a like home renovation kind of, we can add that to the mortgage cost. So I was doing 30 grand worth of renovations to this little house that I bought. And I said, I, I need to go back to work. So he helped me get some interviews, find some new positions. And I faked my way through every single one of those interviews. I came out going back to my car going, well, that felt super inauthentic. I do not feel like I was even present in my body, but I was in such a trauma response and in such a trigger. I needed it. I was desperate for it. I'll say anything to make this work. And I had worked in, in recruitment specifically for long enough to know what they wanted to hear. All of these people were blown away. You're such a great interviewee. Like, I'm so excited that you're here. You're an awesome candidate. I knew what to say. Let's be honest. I had seven years of, of interviewing other people. I knew what to do. I hated it. I hated it. Again, it was just another example of how done I was in my own career. So when I got a job interview 
that again, I was moved through to the ending stages. I was a final candidate. It was one of the top three. That was when I started to tell Stephen about, I'm not being a very good employee. I'm not going to be good at any of these organizations. And he's like, what would you like to do instead? You know, if you don't want to go back to HR, like, what would you like to do instead? I had one session left with him and I said, I really want to start my own business. Maybe you'll think I'm crazy, but this is what I like doing. And I poured my heart and soul out to him about what I loved, what my passions were, how I wanted to help people. And when I got done, I was just about in tears. And I remember he just kind of sat there and was like, well, let's talk about that. If you want to do that, start your own business. You'd be great at it. You've got all the skills you need. You're already halfway there from what you've told me. You've started at social media accounts. You have some clients. What would happen if you just put your focus there for a while? And I thought, oh my God, someone who's actually validating that I want to do this. And so I did. In November, I decided to give, November of 2020, um, I decided to give myself four weeks. I was going to give myself all of November to not apply for any more jobs, to not go for any more interviews, but to just focus on my business, get a business strategy together, um, start some documentation, some paperwork for um, like registering my business, um, flushing out my website and starting to advertise what I do again. Um, I hadn't been doing that for a few months while I was stressed out and looking for a house. And I loved it. Oh my goodness. My heart was soaring. I was so excited. and. That's when I got a phone call from this place that I had been a final candidate for. And I picked up the phone and they said, hi, we are so excited to offer you this position of the human resources administrator. Uh, you know, we can't wait for you to join the company. You're going to be such a great fit. And my gut spoke for me. I said, I, I'm really sorry, but my, my life has changed. Um, circumstances in my life have changed. This was a position out of town as well. So I said, you know, it's just no longer going to be a fit for me. Um, thank you so much for your interest. And I'm super flattered um, to have, you know, been, you know, considered for this position, but I'm going to have to say no. And I wish you luck with the next candidate. There was silence on the other end of that phone for a good 10 seconds before they said, oh, okay, is, um, is there anything I can do to change your mind? And I said, I hadn't even heard the salary yet. I said, I am sorry, but, but no. I have, uh, things have changed in the last couple of days, even it hasn't been that long, but I, I, you know, I didn't know if I was going to hear back from you guys or not, but unfortunately like, no, I'm, I'm not available. And so we, again, try, he tried to co convince me and, you know, what could we do to get you started? And, you know, we'd really like you as our candidate. And I thought they don't have a backup plan. They did not like the other candidates. I was their only choice. <laughs> he was pretty set on trying to get me to start. And I said, unfortunately, it's just going to be a no. And so we parted ways and hung up the phone. And my grandmother's voice came strongly and clearly in my head. And it said, what did you just do? I started immediately shaking. I just, I felt sick to my stomach. I had turned down financial security to do what? I had been doing my business like full time for a couple of weeks. What was I doing? But at the same time, I knew it was the best choice I'd ever made. And that was so hard. It was so hard to say, I am doing what's best for me. Even thinking back to it, I want to cry because that was an intense moment for me. I immediately started calling all my friends that I could trust with this information. And I said, I'm just, I just need to talk. I just need to talk. I was pacing around my house, visibly shaking like a leaf. And I thought, I can't tell my family about this. Oh my God, like my grandmother is just going to be so upset with me. Even if she 
found out that I had gotten laid off. We had decided not to tell her she was going through some health issues and you know, mentally wasn't quite, uh, she's gotten, now she has quite late stage dementia. So at the time she was getting, getting worse and we didn't want to confuse her with too much or scare her because my grandma would go to the bank and try to get me money. So we had decided not to tell her until I had found a new job. And now I told, now I had said no, <laughs> now I had said no to any job and I was going to do my own business. Oh, I was freaking out. And that's what started my business was taking that leap, having someone to say, Janine, I think you'd be really good at that. I think that that's an awesome choice. So after those conversations and after turning down that job, which, oh, my body still <laughs> freaks out thinking about that memory. I continued to give myself four weeks at a time, four weeks in December, turned into four weeks in January, turned into four weeks in February, which then turned into, you know what, I think I'm doing this. I think I'm doing this full time. I can't believe it. I've made that choice. I even went as so far as to post on LinkedIn that I had officially retired from human resources, kind of as a sign of commitment to myself that I was not going back. I wasn't going to go backwards. From there has been a whole journey in itself, and I'll make another episode on it sometime. So I'll leave it there for today. This is what started my business, where the name came from, how Intuition Awakening really started with a divine inspiration to start an Instagram account to talk about crystals and the things I loved about spirituality, how it led me on this journey of discovering and being authentically honest with myself about what I wanted in life and the things that I didn't want. The, the corporations that I didn't want to work for, the jobs I didn't want to accept, but also looking at the things that I did want to accept, the things that I love to do. So I'll leave with, leave with this one final thought, that if you have a dream, if you have something that you want to do, find a way. Find a way. Don't give up on that dream. I've been through a lot in the pandemic, as I've talked about today. And I realize it's a nuanced conversation about the levels of support we might have in our community or if we're doing this all on our own versus if we have inherited money to work with or have a savings account. But if you have a dream, let yourself pursue it. Let yourself have fun. Let yourself explore what you want to do in life. You might end up really loving it. Namaste, my friends. I'm wishing you an amazing day. I will see you in the next episode.